Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Hello, podcast listeners. Today, we have a fun piece of news that we're going to talk about. So there is an abstract, uh, a paper that came out by MIT that is, what can you learn by staring at a blank wall? Fascinating, I know. Um, No, but the interesting thing about this, so here's the deal. They shoot a laser beam at a blank wall, and basically they do some processing to the image and stuff that you cannot see with the naked eye. The computer can somehow see, and then they can see how many people are doing what things with a 94% accuracy anywhere in the vicinity. Crazy. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not even sure what to say. This neural network stuff these days is nuts. And I, you should definitely, check out uh some of the like they have a video out about this um where you can see exactly the processing they're doing and like the certainty of the algorithm when it's like counting people in the room Mm -hmm. uh it's pretty crazy stuff so Um, so i'll i'll for the people who don't feel like clicking i will shortly mm -hmm. describe kind of what's happening so essentially uh they shoot a laser beam what, what was it a a neural network of single photon something a bunch of made-up words that are definitely not real (laughs) utilizes a single photon avalanche photo detector to measure the timing of the return sensitivity uh those aren't real words that's that's not a thing uh no so so they shoot this laser at this wall and basically if a person is casting a shadow even if that shadow is so faint you cannot see it then they torture this image so basically all of the blacks go to mega black and all of the whites go to mega white and it picks up it's basically you drag the contrast slider not to 100 you drag it to like a (laughs) 100,000 until it's just this weird insanely grainy image that picks up every little nuance and detail shadow so they train uh they train this neural network to process uh what normal shadows look like and then they process uh people doing a thing and then they say one person doing this thing looks like this and then it they just have people doing stuff and the camera can tell you how many people are in the room and what they're doing even though they are not in view of the camera this is like one of those things where i bet that this existed in you know like that the, the fbi or something used this <laughs> and has used this for like a decade and a a group of stanford students figured out but on their own that this has already existed like this this is that kind of like 007 this this is that csi oh can you enhance wait what's that movie where they're like hey can you show us what the back of the bag looks like that's not a thing that's not how cameras work well yes it is apparently Apparently. um thanks to neural networks I found another camera that, and it was funny because this one was just like, this is not interesting because this is not new technology. It is a camera that can see around corners. Mm. 
you aim a laser at a blank wall and then you put an object around a corner away from that wall and it can give you an exact rendering of that object and the thing is like it was more like a blur so it had a perfect outline of the object it didn't have like the depth to it but it perfectly recreated it within a tenth of an inch accuracy and it was not even in view of the camera so basically doing the exact same thing with this keyhole laser shindig. Yeah, this this kind of brings up uh I think a a bigger conversation about like computing when applied to photography. I mean, photography used to be you know very straightforward comparatively. Like you at most you had you know, adjusted things in an actual dark room and you know you dodged Exposure, and burned dodge, burn. manually. That's about it. Um and that was about it. Uh and nowadays it's with digital photography and videography we're getting all these one crazy applications of photography in the digital realm but also like these wild things that you can do to photographs um with increasing ease um like i saw uh recently the uh the new uh google pixel phones were announced and they have a um an autofill uh like heel brush basically that um is built into they actually have like part of the processor that is dedicated to just image processing does this whole thing where you literally can like draw a circle around a person in the background of the picture that you take and it will fill it in. Now, of course you can do that in Photoshop manually where you can, you know, do various healing brushes and you can do or uh, autofill yeah. auto and, and Photoshop will try to do it in a similar algorithms to that. But the fact that like now, instead of having to think about it more and do it very intentionally, literally anybody can pick up this phone and just draw a circle around a thing that they don't want in the image anymore. And at least so far, the results are really impressive. Yes, it's not perfect. Um, and yes, like huge chunks of the image, if you're trying to like remove some giant thing, it's going to have a hard time filling it in. But like the fact that this is Gen 1, at least in a mobile form, um, is super impressive. That this 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 thing that used to require tons and tons of work, um, or at the very least very expensive software, is just like built into your smartphone and yeah there's been some apps like touch retouch i think is one that did stuff like this before but you know built in as an out-of-the-box feature that anybody can use um that's a a crazy amount of processing um so it's interesting to see where these things are going yeah uh i i think the coolest thing about this is um well obviously it has applications that are outside photography yeah. as art. This is more um kind of about like security systems or or surveillance type thing. Like those are the hey we're trying to see who's doing what and recreate and um yeah. so for for law enforcement and security there's obviously a lot of other applications. Mm-hmm. But anything that is created without the intention of it being art when it then gets used for art um it it there are some really interesting things that can come out of that. So like the, the Lytro cameras, if, if you remember that, right. Eh, eh. Uh, I was the very first one to say that those are dumb and useless (laughs) and I hope they catch on, but then they didn't. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then, and then people decreed or decried that I was, that I was awful. And how dare you attack my beloved Lytro? Um, and then they didn't even buy one because it wasn't a good camera. Yeah, I, uh, one of the things that I've seen recently that was related to this, where you've got like a 
imaging technique that then is applied to art is, you know, like photogrammetry stuff um, or shooting things from a bunch of different angles and then combining them together. Like this has happened before to some degree, like the, you know, the Matrix famously do you mean like, used... like creating 3D type stuff? Or yeah, 3D type else? stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, so like the, the you know, the Matrix used multiple cameras to do this kind of bullet time effect, but um, there's started to be more and more and more of this, you know, shoot an object from a bunch of different perspectives and combine that into a 3D... Um, uh, 3d you know scene and they're starting to like actually make films using this technique where the actors are surrounded by tons of um of cameras and the film is actually shot in you know in a sphere like stereoscopic yeah stereoscopic steroids exactly (laughs) and then you can move the camera digitally around somebody recolor them relight them um and there was a film that just came out about this i haven't seen it yet um Boy, I wish I could remember the name of it offhand. Google it real quick. But uh, yeah, let me Google this really quick. It's called Demonic. Uh, it was directed by Neil Blomkamp, um, who has done uh, quite a few things, including District 9 probably is what he's most famous for. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was shot in this uh, with this crazy um, volumetric uh, capture technology where basically just like a room full of cameras. Um, I think it was like two... 200 250 like a huge number of cameras and uh yeah they shot the actors with this array and they actually left a lot of the you know there when you do something like this there's often like noise and uh where it doesn't stitch exactly perfectly at different angles and they left a lot of that in to like add to the kind of horror and unnaturalness of a scene like that um and so it's interesting because this technology was built you know a lot, a lot of it has actually been developed for video games where you're preserving something in really high quality and then you have like a yeah, boulder like that you can capture. put in a game or yeah, motion capture um, or just to capture like a scene that then you place actors in uh, who are acting on a green screen. Um, but using this kind of in reverse where instead of capturing a lot of the scene, you're capturing the actor and then you're placing them in some place and relighting them and all that is really interesting because uh, yeah, really used a technology used more for very practical things at most for art is being used for very what i would call like softer art almost where it's an actual actor um so i thought that was a really interesting thing um the film didn't get great reviews unfortunately but uh the technology behind it is really cool so um i can dig that (laughs) uh this is a fun little tidbit uh it's 15 terabytes of data a day from his volumetric camera array yeah that is that is a I mean, crazy amount. <laughs> I mean, back when IBM computers were the size of a room, that's yep. that's unthinkable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is truly fascinating to me kind of how far technology is coming and kind of what people can do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea how this laser looking around a corner camera thing would translate into art, but mm-hmm. very much like Lytro, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where somebody's eventually going to pick up these tools and do something really cool with it. Um, you know, when the uh, like a, like an early um, you know an early example of like how this didn't work sometimes is like remember the Hobbit where it was a big deal that wow they were using action cameras in a Hollywood film for the first time 
And then, and then the it whole, completely throws the you out of it when it cuts terrible. between a red dragon <laughs> and a GoPro. Yeah, and it was just like sickening and terrible. I mean, that movie was not good for many reasons, but um, uh, hey, most sh- mostly exec- I liked that movie. Mostly executive meddling from uh, from what I understand, but um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're but now like it's gotten to the point where the the line between something like that um, and like a real you know what you would call a real camera is blurred. There's these tiny super high quality cameras i mean heck this um this movie uh, uh demonic was like the cameras that were used for this were action cameras that were just you know because they had to have hundreds of them and having huge cameras for that wouldn't really work and so they had these little cheaper action cameras um all over the uh the array so it's it's interesting to see where the lines are kind of blurring um and a lot of that is due to you know machine learning to image processing and ai i mean look at where smartphones were or even digital cameras in general or were early on versus now. I mean, yeah, a lot of that is hardware, but a huge amount of that is software. I mean, that's why people say stuff like, Oh, they really like Canon's colors. Like it's not that they're using like a different film like you used to to get a certain look or feel. No, it's how the sensor it's, processes yeah, colors. It's yeah. how the sensor processes color. And then how the software is interpreting that and adjusting it. Um, I mean, smartphone photos would look absolutely horrible if you were pulling just truly the raw image out of them. They're not very good. Um, the physics are just not there to support truly high-quality photography. But the processing is doing humongous lifting in making them look good. The incredible like denoising and image stacking. like The amount of processing that happens in a single smartphone photo would blow your mind, and it's basically invisible. So one thing that I didn't realize is my camera uh, has two different features that it does almost seamlessly that uh, I'm just like, why is it so slow to take a photo? But it's actually doing a bunch of stuff really quick. So one, it doesn't even tell me that it does this. It automatically creates HDR photos. Yep. So it goes and it's stitching them together because it does not have the dynamic range on the sensor. So it is stacking all of those to get the dynamic range that you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also doing that four camera array where it's doing kind of shifting the pixels or something to give you the 48 megapixel in a tiny little chip. Um, 48 megapixels is more than any of my cameras. Like that's insane. Yeah, it's uh, the 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 level of of technique here in a, in a software sense is just crazy. I mean, um, you know, another one of the things uh, just this reminds me also of another uh, Pixel thing. I I promise I'm not sponsored, but it, the announcement just happened recently, so it's on the brain. Is um, they were talking about how they could uh, previously, you know, you take a photo and if your shutter speed is too slow, it's going to be blurry. Too bad. Right. You lost the shot. And what they do now is with, with apparently every, it might be every photo or it might be you put it into a motion mode, but even still, like you can put it into a mode where you're moving or your subject's moving. And it actually takes two photos with two different sensors on the phone, one normal, and then one from another sensor that is at a much higher shutter speed and then is a little bit noisier, but hey, things are in focus. And then it combines like your subject, like it looks for a face, for example, and makes their face sharp using information from that sensor and then processes color and lighting information from the other sensor so that it still looks good and not a noisy, blurry mess uh, or a noisy mess uh, by combining those two things. So it's just like 
mind blowing. Like, and this happens like instantly. Like, you just you just tap tap it and it's done and it does all this stuff. Um, so the the level of of ability that a lot of these just in your pocket, you know, theoretically you no longer crappy need a sensors 1DX are amazing. And a four hundred millimeter lens, yeah, to shoot right. A kids soccer game, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still there's still limits, of course. Like, you know, super dramatic zoom levels at high quality are are still largely impossible. I mean, they're doing these fancy like what they call periscope lenses and stuff, which are really cool. But we're not we're not really there yet. There's not a big compare, uh, you know, a great comparison yet to a truly large lens. But the fact that we're even approaching some of this is incredible in a in a smartphone form factor, and a lot of that is image processing. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty amazed. One of the things that I really want to see happen, and it hasn't really happened yet, although there is a little bit of it, is applying this kind of image processing to DSLRs. Yes, increasingly they can do auto HDR and that kind of stuff, and they do process color information, and especially when you're making a JPEG. But can we have some of like this more cool stuff? Can we DSLRs are huge, and smartphones comparatively comparatively are small. Can we put like a smartphone quality sensor in a DSLR and like do insane image processing where it takes multiple photos and stitches them and does all crazy stuff? Like that would be leveraging the DSLR hardware with the smartphone software slash image processing like that becomes potentially a really compelling so, package so the thing when the litro came out that i wanted is can you please put that in my camera and actually the g85 kind of does that but mm -hmm. what it does is it essentially it burst shoots some 30 something photos where it slightly shifts the focus so when you're picking focus you're actually just scrolling through the different photos that it took oh, um and picking okay. so mm -hmm. it it's faking the yeah, lightro thing mm -hmm. but but there are definitely times where i shoot a family photo and it's just oh there are two rows of people and the front row is slightly out of focus i wish i could just focus stack that with my single raw exposure like you could on the Lytro cameras. I'm like, there are some of those things of like, yes, give it to me, shut up and take my money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then it was this completely different device with this completely different form factor. And I'm never going to use that. I use a DSLR like, yeah. or a mirrorless or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would like to see more, uh, more competition in that space. It's, it's a little bit frustrating. Like you'd think that Sony would be a slam dunk for this. Like they make some great cameras um, but, uh, they also make most of the phone sensors in the world. Um, it's like them and Samsung and, and they made like 70% and Samsung makes like the other 30%. And you'd think like Sony, you make all these phone sensors, you literally make phones. Could you please apply <laughs> some of that technology you would think. to your cameras? You would think. And the answer is apparently no, um, which is too bad because they are compelling, but man, like, phone level intelligence in a in a mirrorless would be an amazing package and nobody's really giving it to us so you know like nikon you want to catch up like how about you do that <laughs> i would love to see you catch up all right so for all of you listening at home to wrap this up i've got two questions for you so either email us uh, hello at photo-op.show or uh, go to YouTube or Facebook and uh, leave a comment for us. So uh, here's one of the two questions. Okay. First question is, what thing can your phone do that you wish your good camera can do? 
And the second question is, what super fake thing in Hollywood, like the CSI enhance, <laughs> what fake Hollywood thing do you wish your camera could do? Uh, answer us with one of those two questions. Um, yeah, let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes. We do hope you enjoyed this kind of in the news segment. Um, and until next time, we have more stuff coming next time. <laughs> if you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo op show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at non-creative as in om nom nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to photo op anywhere podcasts are sold or downloaded because it's free.